Hello and welcome to the film that blew my mind, conversations about the heart and soul of cinema. I'm Tabitha Jackson. And I'm John Cooper. Cooper, it looks like you're in a different place to normal. Where are you and why? I am at the beautiful, snowy Sundance Film Festival, and I'm here for the 40th anniversary of Sundance right now. This is opening night. It's good to be back because, you know, we lived here for many years, practically. Yes, indeed. You must have been there for most of those years. Like 32, so yeah, so I'm counting up there. But yes, it's very exciting, and they're doing a lot of special events, and one of the special events is a showing of Napoleon Dynamite which happened 20 years ago. Ooh. 20 years. So it's the 20th anniversary of Napoleon Dynamite and the 40th anniversary of the festival. And could that 20th anniversary of Napoleon Dynamite be a clue to today's guest? Today's guest is a crazy mind behind Napoleon Dynamite and other wacky characters. And that's right. It's Jared Hess. Oh, fantastic. Jared Hess also directed Nacho Libre in 2006, also features on the IMDb list of celebrity Mormons and is currently, I believe, apart from a foray to Sundance, is in New Zealand shooting Minecraft, the movie, directing that show off. Welcome, Jared. (laughs) Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I have heard some rumors about the premiere of this film, Cooper, involving your body. Are the rumors true? Uh, Well, yes. Um, And I could see you've been researching the DVD extras on Napoleon Dynamite because, yeah, there was a time when once a year I would do a cartwheel for one film every year, basically because I was so sick of hearing myself talk. I just (laughs) would do that. It appeased the crowd. And that was the film that year that I thought, this thing is going to be big. And so, yes, I did a cartwheel. How was that for you, Jared? It was good. He had nice stretch on that cartwheel. It was a very robust cartwheel. I was impressed. (laughs) But I think my assistant said, your belly fell out. Because I think my shirt shirt went out. Yeah, there was a little bit of thrift. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, it was good. A little peekaboo there for the audience. It was fun. Your assistant has never worked in this town again. (laughs) Anyway, well, I tell the story every time I came into the office, we had a bunch of interns and it was, you know, a video tape that was in the office and every morning they were watching it. And that's where I was like, this speaks to you (laughs) somehow, somewhere. This is going to be big. (laughs) So, Jared, you are joining us from New Zealand. Yes. Where you're helming the Warner Brothers film, Minecraft. That's right. Congratulations. So, Jared Hess, the director of a film which has clearly blown many other people's minds. What is the film that blew your mind? Okay. First of all, just the whole premise of your podcast, it is like a lot of pressure. When I got the email, like, okay, what film blew your mind? And it's like, dude, you could go so many different ways. It's like, gosh, man, it's like, I mean, your previous guests just have real amazing pieces of cinema that inspired them to all do great things. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I could go that route. It's like, what do you say? Citizen Kane or like comfort food movie that you loved as a kid. And so it's like, look, I'll give you my short list. Ready? It was either going to be. The movie UHF by Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> or like ET, or the movie Rad. The B- like these were the ones that were on the heaviest rotation at my house growing up as a kid. So 
rad one, but I could talk about any of those three. Well, <laughs> I think my question to you, Jared, would be, why the hell did Rad win? Let me just say this. Okay? Just take us there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you there because I'm sure you guys are like, this is a disaster. <laughs> this is not why we bring people on is to talk about movies like this. But here's the thing: it was the so I come. I'm the oldest of six boys, and in Idaho there was one little video rental place called Adventure Video. And this was the most rented film in my home. We had so many overdue fees for it. And I here's the thing. It's like a true underdog classic. And you just get all the feels. The soundtrack is unbelievable. This guy, Hal Needham, who was like a stuntman. I think that Quentin Tarantino based the Brad Pitt character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Hal Needham. Um, and he, he did like Cannonball Run, did a bunch of Burt Reynolds films. And then in the 80s, he did this movie. And, you know, it, weirdly, it's got another amazing kind of film pedigree. Jack Schwartzman, who was the producer of Being There, he produced this. His wife, Talia Shire's in it. So Jason Schwartzman, this is like the movie his parents <laughs> made. And when I figured that out, I was like, whoa, because you could not get this. It was only ever on VHS. You couldn't get it on DVD. And so people would take VHSs and then bring them into their computer and then burn them, like make CD-ROMs and so on <laughs> on eBay so you could watch it. And then finally, a couple years ago, Jason's brother, Robert Schwartzman, did like a full kind of remastered Blu-ray of it. And it's unbelievable. But it's wow. got a cult following. It's such this weird piece of 80s nostalgia. It came out in like 1986. And almost every... X Games BMXer traces their love and interest in BMX back to this film. Right. Wow. But it's got, you know, it has some of my favorite sports montages of all time. It also has some of, I think, the most unbelievable dance sequences of all time. Um, that is true. <laughs> the band Sparks, Edgar Wright did this amazing documentary yeah. on the band Sparks. They got like some dope jams in this thing that are on the soundtrack. It's one song called Music That You Can Dance To That and That Alone. Right? That was uncanny. Anyway. There's one anthem after another in this. They just keep coming. Yeah. Know, they the had this Australian rock star named John Farnham do like some OG tracks. Yeah, I could go on and on about this sucker. And there's a couple of other fun nuggets that are like, what? It launched the career of this guy? Yeah, we'll dive in. We'll dive in. We'll dive into it. Cooper, for those people lucky enough to have not seen this film, what? <laughs> the plot is? Not the, the plot. plot. The synopsis. The synopsis, is, synopsis yeah. No, it's, the synopsis is very deep, yes. It's the story of Crew Jones, a young man with the intensity and desire to win a BMX race called Helltrack, which has just come to this, putting the town on the map, town of Col Coltrane, is that what that, no. Cochrane, is it Cochrane? Cochrane, okay. and there's all this money riding it, on it from the, the promoters and everything, so there's that kind of sinister side on the side of all the old money guys. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. It's a bunch of like professional douchebags that roll into town yeah. on their BMX yeah. bikes that are like sponsored by Mongoose and all this sweet stuff. Yeah. And, and then, that doesn't happen at all today, ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that does not happen. But the whole big like character arc, like the protagonist dilemma for crew is like, dude, the day of the qualifying races 
is also the same day he's got to take his SATs. Right. And it's a big dramatic scene with mom, Talia Shire dropping the bomb, like, crew, you can't do this. Mom's and he's pissed. like, mom, in life, you got to take what you can get or you're screwed. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and by the way, all the high schoolers in this movie are like 45 years old. <laughs> Now, do you remember like the first time you saw it? Can you take us all the way back? Were you just like, oh, heck yeah. Were you mesmerized by it? Blown away. It was like. So you were the one probably introducing all your young brothers to oh, this yeah. film. You know how it was when you would go to rent videos, you'd roll in and it was all about the tape covers, you know, like the little, sl- like, like whatever the, the, aisle, the jacket right? art, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you'd see it. I was like, this looks dope as crap. And it had this really cool graphic of some guy doing a jump classic like 80s font like kind of airbrushed font looking thing like let's try this sucker out and then it was like it's never leaving our house so (laughs) you know look if you're if you're a high school goober like i was this was like yeah this guy achieved his dreams maybe i can too someday in the corniest way possible but I'm telling you but guys, meaningful. it's meaningful. meaningful. It's meaningful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I may not totally love the movie, but I totally love the effect that the movie had on you. And yeah. I think one of the reasons I have a problem with the movie is because in 86, I was 16. Like everything was horrible. <laughs> People's hair was horrible. The music was horrible. My feeling about myself was horrible. This just jetpacked <laughs> back to back. 1986. Like, oh. oh, that's amazing. And what clothes were you wearing at that time? Because <laughs> the costumes in this, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but the costumes are priceless in this. They're incredible. They're incredible. Like, they're these twin BMXer brothers that have a full choreographed dance sequence at, like, a mm-hmm. high school gym. You know, and these are some of the sponsored D-bag BMXers that roll nice. in. And it, they're, they're dancing to the Sparks song, and it's one of the best choreographed twin brother sequences you'll ever see. (laughs) And there are very few of those in cinema. (laughs) Dude, I got the chills. I'm not kidding. You guys played that (laughs) clip. I got the chills, man. Okay, crazy story. So Jack Schwartzman, he's the producer. Mm -hmm. And he has an 18-year-old son who wants to become a cinematographer. And he says, hey, um, look, we've got these opening credits for this movie I'm doing called Rad. I'm going to get you a camera, going to get you some film. I want you to just go shoot some cool opening credits with these professional BMX writers. He goes, okay, cool. Well, that DP was John Schwartzman, who went on to shoot like Michael Bay's movies. Like he shot Armageddon. <laughs> he shot... <laughs> I mean, he shot like the recent Jurassic Park movie. So big, massive Hollywood blockbusters. Wow. This was the first thing he ever shot. And you can clearly see, you're like, dude, this guy has a great eye. Because once the movie starts, it looks like a TV movie. It's like really (laughs) bad. It's like, whoa, what happened to that good photography? Like it (laughs) took a big dumper and went down the toilet. And it's because, oh, John Schwartzman, who went on to become a big deal, he shot that. This is the first half he ever shot. So the opening credits of the movie shot by him and then the closing credits. And they look so amazing. Yeah. But I got the chance to work with John on a commercial. And I was like, dude, 
I don't care about all the big giant Hollywood things you've shot, John. You're here for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> the movie Rad. He's like, what? How did you know that? And Jason had told me the story. Wow. Wow. So when you first saw it, can you remember, give us a sense of, you said you were in Idaho. Yeah. How did you watch TV with your siblings? Like, take us there. Take us there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, like 80s. 90s it's you know if you didn't have cable man you had to go to the video store and find something look look good and take some risks you know it's like dude what's this movie going to bring us today so we get it we all watch it and that first weekend it was probably like a saturday night we probably watched it you know six or seven times that weekend wow. and then went out in the backyard and started building jumps and getting hurt. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a scene in Napoleon Dynamite pretty early in the film where he and Pedro test like a bike jump. I mean, that's very accurate yeah. to like what happened to me and my brothers when, <laughs> that's, that's right. after we saw this film. And that's about the level of BMX, you know, skills that ended up having. Yeah. I definitely saw napoleon dynamite in this film i i could see where there was there was some not not, not copycat more homage i guess <laughs> yeah, the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Word we use. but it is it, they, so they shot the movie in a small town in canada and i mm -hmm. can't remember which town they actually shot it in but they've had i think rad days to commemorate the film back in the town where right. they shot a lot of the, the bmx writers in the film have shown up and yeah, and the, the the two leads. It looks like it's it's kind of almost ready to snow. A lot of the scenes. It looks like late in the season. Yes, and they keep making them get all wet in yeah. like not, not not swimming pools, like in rivers. Yeah, they're like going down like a flume into like that, a cold, frigid Canadian. That's a river. big romantic scene, and he's like all like clutch. She's in his crotch, and they're kind of go down, and they're having such a good time. They, they even play that twice because they don't have enough footage. It's not long enough. So they just have them come down that flute oh, twice. Man. Yeah. And he's like, come on. You want to do something cool? And she's like, what is this called? Like, We're going to do some ass sliding. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> yes. that's like an iconic line. We're going to go ass sliding. <laughs> wow. And then as soon as it's over, her hair is back to it's perfect. Totally. That girl had some hair. That girl so, had some hair. So Lori Laughlin plays the love interest in the film. She's a professional BMX rider. And you can tell that like her skills on a bike in the film were not great. Because those all, all you ever see her do is like ride straight toward the camera and, then, eh, and stop. And <laughs> but then there's sequences where she's like showing off her skills. It's actually right before they go ass lighting. And they're like, hey, let's go for a ride. And they go riding their BMXs through a park. And they're like bunny hopping up onto picnic tables and jumping off, <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff. Okay, for Lori Laughlin, they had the worst possible stunt double I've ever seen in my life. It looked like, it was like, and he had the worst wig you've ever seen. It was, say, like, it was a guy. It I was think, like a 14 year old, right? <laughs> skinny, adolescent kid. And it's like Lori Laughlin, you know, she's like beautiful and curly. And it's like the, the body double matches it. There's no effort to like match like her body type at all. And not only that, like, it's like, wow, suddenly Lori Laughlin has like a prominent bulge. <laughs> like, she's like bunny hopping up under the picnic tables. <laughs> and then it's and the wig is so bad, but it's pretty great. You talked about the, the two famous boys that did their dance number that's on foot but then they had a whole dance number on the bikes in the gym it's iconic know. 
I think it's the quintessential cinematic moment of the 80s is <laughs> this sequence. What happened to my eyes? That is not Bart Taylor. Well, let's see what he can do. Pretty amazing. I don't know if you could see the stunt double moments there too. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, we're gonna play this in shadow. We're gonna backlight it. No one will be able to tell. It's like, eh, you can tell. Kind of takes you out. But my favorite, like the kid looks. The kid's a cute kid. But for that scene, they put him in those baggy plastic sweatpants. It's like the most unattractive things. It's like, oh, his big number, and they're making him wear like the ugliest pants. It's just. Yeah, like a weird church shirt. And he always has that garter belt on his pants to hold his <laughs> you know, pant leg in so it doesn't get caught in the spokes. It's a red garter belt. It's become a classic for me. Like I've never seen this film until right before this. And now it's like, oh my God, this has some classic moments yeah. in it. I mean, I thought Flashdance was it, but like, yeah. no, this is a whole this is good. level oh, man. up or down, however you want to call it. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. From that. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> 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 I was trying to find a way into talking about its uh, its rigorous critique of capitalism <laughs> through the media. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if you could expand on that a little, please, Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, man, I haven't even thought about that, but yeah. that's bang on. Now we're going deep. Yeah, the whole premise, again, he's trying to qualify so he can compete in Hell Trek. So they have these preliminary races and he qualifies. And then all of the corporate sponsors of the BMX riders are like, dude, we got a problem here. Like, this kid's pretty good. Can we, like, rewrite the rules so he can't make it? And they say, look, we're sorry. Even though you qualified, you have to be sponsored by a big company in order to compete in Hell Track. And so they don't know what to do. They're devastated. And then they go, you know what? We're going to start our own company, Rad Racing. And so they start printing T-shirts so they can check that box. It's a real curveball, man. Real plot twist right in the middle of the film. And they do it and they finally raise enough money to be a real company that qualifies so crew can compete at Hell Track. And all and all the kids at school help out. So the film is very entertaining and it is peak high 80s. And if you like a montage, you're gonna love this film. <laughs> That's right. But they're also it's it's propagating something, I guess, which is a view of the all-American boy, small town, his father has died, this he's touched with his tragedy yeah. and you know as you were saying at the beginning jared he wants to he wants to make his way and and yeah <laughs> and if you don't seize the opportunity you'll be screwed so there are the kind of incompetent capitalists who are trying to through not having the pure ideals of the u.s small town boy right right are, right uh, cor try and corrupt him and trying to corrupt 
Bart Taylor to throw the race and to take him out. But there is stuff in there, isn't there? Or am I just desperately scraping the barrel? But this is telling us stuff. Yeah, it's like the big corporations keeping the little working class people down where they, you know what I mean? It's like trying to break free from that. And, you know, when you're watching it, it's like you don't think about any of that stuff as a kid. You're like, dude, I just want to win the race, man. He's good. (laughs) These are sweet jumps. There's two major obstacles, though, are both the corporate America guys and his own self-confidence. That's right. Those are the two that are working against each other. And the self-confidence is handled by the new girlfriend, and she's the one that helps him. Yeah, totally. To believe in himself? To believe yeah. in himself. It's about believing in yourself. And maybe you'll get a break. But yeah, yeah. It looks like he's not going and to. And Lori Laughlin's also like, I can really see why you love this small town. It's beautiful here. <laughs> Let's go ass lighting again. <laughs> they look out and it's just like, oh, okay, that's not even, that's not that beautiful. <laughs> like you'd think it would be like big tall mountains or something. Yeah, it's yeah, just kind yeah. of a little flat, a little hill <laughs> in a town. I don't mean to be reductive, but were there any black, any not even black people, were there any non-white people in this film? I th- no, uh, is the answer. I want to say that there was one black BMX rider in the Hell Track race, I think, when they're kind of popping around. Oh, and was the but, BMX black or was he black? Was the right? I could be right. wrong. In my memory, yeah. He I, looked like South Asian, maybe. I could not, be wrong about not, that. Yeah, like there was like one kid that looked Yeah, there may have been passable brownness right yeah. no it's you're 100% right I mean it, it's it's yeah this is not a film that seems like it took any of that into consideration <laughs> so this is a bad choice on my part <laughs> no, just I, just, I just went do you want to get your coat now or do <laughs> <laughs> well guys thanks <laughs> no but they did, but they did kiss too. That a lot of times these movies would have sexual tension where nothing would happen. They just yeah, yeah, like yeah. Maybe they're going to get together. Yeah, it looked like they maybe done it somewhere along the line, you know, to get his confidence up. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Not just his confidence. That's oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no. It, it well, you know what they they you know very tastefully cut away after they like wrap themselves up in a blanket after ass lighting. Right. And they're like in a shed <laughs> right. somewhere, like a hangout shed. I feel like, yeah, a lot of teenagers in 80s movies had hangout sheds. Oh, that's when his speech comes in. Because he's very cleverly, as an actor, he's staring off into space, and which makes her ask him, like, what are you thinking about? And then he has the, <laughs> the story, yeah. that, you know, revel- the revelatory yeah. story of his childhood. Yeah. It's all there. It's all there. It's all the pieces. It's all the pieces of other movies of that yeah. time. They're just not done as well. It's full Karate Kid. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know what year did Karate Kid come out. I mean, it's a little bit different. Karate Kid moves into a small town, and he has those conversations with Elizabeth Shue. But yeah, it's the same. It, the, it was a winning formula, guys. A winning yes. formula. Yeah, there's something lovely about having a crew, having a gang that you hang out mm-hmm. with and something that you are obsessed with and the BMX of it all. And I'm being too sniffy and snotty about it. I can <laughs> see why little Jared would love this. Oh, yes. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things, too, just I think as a kid, it being a film about this outcast with big dreams mm. and then just powering through it feels fun and when you're a teenager a kid and you see a movie like that and it's very et too it's like et had this amazing mm. bmx sequence you know yes. when at, at the very end and there was something about like empowering kids to do the right thing in the face of 
mean, grumpy adults that are trying to run the world and <clears throat> tell you what you can and can't do. There's like a real rebellious kind of spirit about that moment in E.T., also Crew Jones' whole story arc here. It's like liberating in a weird way. Right. So obviously you know something about BMX. The whole actually hell track that they did, was that like typical? Was that a typical track for that? Heck no. I think that was just for the movie because it was weird. They had like a big jump that was like a cereal bowl with a spoon in it. And they're like, boing, like going off it. It was, I mean, that was clearly designed for the film. But it seemed real because it was like sponsored by 7-Eleven. You know, they, they had all these yeah. like graphics yes. on it. They wiped out though. Good. There was a few wipeouts that looked pretty intense. Hal, Hal Needham doing his thing. Yeah. But stunt mm. stunt man turned director. Yeah. Doing a BMX <laughs> movie. It's funny too. You, you you can watch like his interview. He's like, "This is a motion picture about BMX, which is sweeping America." Like his little press kit interview. It's pretty it's right. Pretty fun. Okay, that's going to be a must watch. I want to know more about you, Jared. You and Cooper go back a long way, to at least 20 years. Yeah. But I want to learn more about what cinema was for you in your childhood. Did you remember the first time you went to the cinema? I was very young and I went to see Return of the Jedi. I was born in 1979. So whenever that movie came out, I mean, it, it but that was my first memory and just loving the Ewoks. <laughs> right. I mean, and everything else after that, it was like movies were the Goonies, E.T., Rad. That's what it was. And then I remember seeing the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark in middle school. I was like a seventh grader and I had a, a theater teacher and we watched like the making of and it was all the behind the scenes stunts with Harrison Ford and Spielberg. And I was like. Like, it didn't occur to me that, like, how movies were made. They just existed and they were awesome. And it was like, this seems amazing. And then I had a friend with a home video camera. And one day he was like, hey, Jared, check this out. We just made this movie in the cul-de-sac. I'm like, what? And he <laughs> played it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, can we make one right now? And then we went back in my backyard and made, like, a real bad martial arts film, like, on the trampoline. And when you're trying to make movies with your siblings or friends, they gas out really quick. They're like, this is so boring. And that's what a lot of movie making is, is waiting around and figuring out what you're doing. Um, but, and then from then on, I was hooked. And I was probably 12 when I made my first little movie. But yeah, yeah, cinema for me, it was like all the pop culture stuff. And then in high school, we did finally get <clears throat> cable. And like the Sundance Channel and IFC which were like in some cable packages, were showing all of these amazing indie films, foreign films that I never would have been exposed to otherwise. And then it was like, I'd be sitting down and watching Ingmar Bergman's Through a Glass Darkling going, holy crap. And it was just like broaden your horizons. And then, you know, you start renting those kind of films at your video rental place. So can I, yeah. can I ask a, what I think, it sounds like a stupid question. I think it probably is a stupid question. Mm -hmm. The movie that you made on the trampoline. Yeah. And now the movie that you are making now, Minecraft. Yeah. Are there any similarities between what you feel and what happens? Man, you know, in a world that's so cynical for me, like the creative process, just trying to always remember those moments that felt special to you in cinema that made you feel something 
uh, special. And, and, and look, I, I mean, depending on the type of story you're telling, but I guess it's like just the process of creating and when it feels fun and exciting and surprising and, and fresh in the same feeling, that same kind of wonder when you have those mm -hmm. cinematic experiences that everybody has at a young age, it's like, you just want to keep that with you because there's so many things you're fighting against. And any movie, whether it's an independent film or a studio film, mm -hmm. there's always going to be producers or people that are questioning choices all the time, right? That have different preference, different taste than you. And, and that's tough. You just have to keep kind of protecting what's special about the creative process and what excites you about it. And yeah. Oh, now I feel bad about being cynical about Rad. No, heck no. But it doesn't matter. It was special for me. It doesn't have to be special for you. You've got like, like what, okay, what would be your fun comfort movie? That was like the one with multiple viewings for you as a teenager. It's strange to describe it as a comfort movie, but Towering Inferno is the one that I would Incredible. want to watch over and over again. Incredible. Or if that wasn't available, Poseidon Adventure. Amazing. Mm, yeah, both. There's something about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are big, next. big spectacle pieces. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What's yours, Cooper? God, I don't know. I'm trying to think. As a teenager, um, I watched some very weird, you know, I'm like, I was graduating high school before you guys were born. So since <laughs> I'm going to hear those dates, it's like, oh, my God. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I remember watching a movie called... Um, Oh, Alice's Restaurant, which is, you know, like a hippie movie. I like hippie <laughs> movies, you know. And those <laughs> were the awesome. ones that were like all about freedom. There's another one called Strawberry Statement that was all about. And it was always tied into sexuality usually. Too, yeah, 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 know? yeah. Right. And right. for me, I was drawn to the ones where they had, you know, um, boy-girl sex. But all of a sudden, they had this one little storyline that was kind of an intriguing boy thing over there on the side. And it was like... I'm not supposed to like that so much, you know, but I would watch those movies. I remember, <laughs> I remember loving, I remember what loving Clute, Clute too. And you always like the movies that make you feel more adult too. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Totally. Um, um, Oh, Prime of Miss Jean Brody was the one oh, I watched Prime of a Miss number of yes. times. Wow. Yes. A anything yeah. with girls in a girl's school. <laughs> I don't know why I related to it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> In any kind of, especially if it was Catholic and they got, you know, bad nuns. <laughs> I love that stuff, right? So I owe this to Hal Needham that the last day of term every year at my school, we didn't have to do our last class and we got shown Smokey and the Bandit and it's four sequels. Oh, no way. We're at and school? that was a time of at, at school. Yeah, it was our treat for wow. end of term. And so Hal Needham did bring me much entertainment and that sense of this film is playing. It's really exciting. Yeah. You're with your other kids and just messing about and it was a joyful experience. So Hal, I do thank you for that. Oh, uh, that's amazing. Brad. I love that. That's a good start. I love that. Um, and I'm glad you went for this film because, you know, I didn't need to, for you to go to something more like highbrow than this because we started this podcast really talking about stuff that really blew our mind, good or bad. It doesn't yeah, 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 where yeah. you are mm -hmm. and that film. And, totally. And I'm really, I'm actually really glad I hadn't seen this film. I hadn't even heard of this film, believe it or not. Wow. 
Yeah, it's a little gift every time that happens. Oh, Someone, totally. And, you know, we, we learn the film you're going to choose and we have no idea why. Watching this film is like, what is the story going to be behind this? And it's actually, it's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Can we make fun of it? Or is he so serious about thinking this is a great film? We're going to be like... Yeah, dude, I, I knew that was going to happen where I didn't caveat anything in the email. She's like, here it is. No, no, it's here fine. Here it is, guys. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I was up, I'm not kidding, I was up for hours being like, all right, okay, should we put, like, Raising Arizona on the list, or like... That's a good one. Yeah, you know, and it's like, no, let's just, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Yes. I love it. I respect yeah. that. I respect yeah. your honesty. I want to steer us towards our little section that we call the lightning round, which is <laughs> never has a section been so misnamed. But we're going to yes. attempt to ask you questions relatively speedily. We always ask the same questions because we're slightly lazy. Uh, but we like these questions. Yes. So I'm going to go first, if I may, Cooper, with this yes, one. Yes. Jared Hess, what is the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you in a movie theater? Oh, holy cow. I'm going to think. Could be surreal be beautiful okay this is bizarre and beautiful this is super weird okay. so jerusha my wife and writing partner we wrote napoleon dynamite together she was also the costume designer we were in film school we've been dating for a while we went to go see this movie called the cell with j-lo which is a very disturbing weird film i think that guy tar sam is that his name the director directed it and it's a weird movie. I just remember there was some kind of gross, bizarre moments. And then afterwards, um, I was like, well, I guess I should pop the question. And so in my Mazda 626, I proposed to Jerusha after watching the movie, which was not like a pleasant experience. And I was like, yeah, I guess now's the time to do this. And she was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, well, I, I gotta gotta change the mood here somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pulling out the only thing I have to get rid of that film we just watched. Yeah, a proposal. <laughs> yeah, proposal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No biggie. That's sweet. But what creative fertility was born from that? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Did you ever show this movie to your kids? And how did you position that with them? Because you have kids now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, have we shown them the movie Rad? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. They know. Yeah. So when, when the Blu-ray came out, I bought it. It was like a limited release. And I've shown it to our 10-year-old. She's like, I can see why you like this movie, Dad. It's a pretty fun show. <laughs> it's a fun show. <laughs> Oh, because the little girl in there has a potty That's mouth. That's right. She's oh, yeah. To, yeah. She gets to have some fun you know swearing. What? It's very funny you mentioned that because she looked at me when the girl was swearing in the film. Yeah. Mm. but <laughs> To see if it was okay to laugh. Exactly. But there, uh, the, one of my favorite moments, Crew Jones, he works at like a little fast food diner place. Mm -hmm. And there's a kind of a crusty like cook in the background his name is bob and crew's like hey blob and he goes the name's bob not blob smart ass the most amazing canadian <laughs> accent you've ever heard that's true that was that was some good scenes yeah he has other scenes later on yeah he's, he's, he's like character oh i know also. crew he's my buddy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay Cooper, got a question anyway 
Anyway, yeah, because we said this isn't a lightning round uh, like, yeah. for that very reason. But um, and but I think you sort of already answered this one because uh, one of our questions, is there another film that you would have chosen instead of this I, film? I probably would have done the movie UHF. Mm. Right. That Weird Al Yankovic wrote and starred in. And funny story behind that. I saw that. I still think it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And I saw the trailer for it, came out in 1989. And the story behind it, I mean, it's amazing. The, the, the premise of the movie is Weird Al keeps getting fired from work because he's got this crazy imagination and he never does his job. And then his uncle wins in a poker game the rights to owning this UHF TV station. And his wife says, give it to my nephew. He needs it. He's out of work. And so Weird Al and his friend go and they have to come up with content for all these shows to keep the UHF station alive. And it is one of the funniest, craziest things ever. They got the most insane shows ever. And weirdly enough, Orion Pictures was getting ready to release it in 1989. When they did test screenings with audience, it was the highest scoring movie they'd ever had in the history of Orion Pictures. <laughs> what? And it, every, wow. Yeah, it was like played gangbusters. <clears throat> the movie comes out, does absolutely zero business. Why? Because it opened the same weekend as Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. <sighs> And just got oh. buried. Nobody saw it. <laughs> so it immediately like went to the dollar theaters. And that's where I saw it. And I was like, this is the greatest movie of all time. But yeah, so many other comedy directors that I'm friends with also point to that one as like, dude, it's a winter chicken dinner. That is great. That's a nice segue to what is your favorite cinema and your favorite cinema snack? Oh, man. Uh, oh, uh, probably the Broadway theater in Salt Lake City, Utah, and also the Tower Theater, hey. which you guys know yeah. that Sundance screens, yeah. like their Salt Lake screenings happen yeah. in those venues. And they're, they're the art house theaters in Salt Lake City. Right. Yeah, so those are Love that. those are my favorite. But favorite snack? And your snack? I would have to say popcorn and some peanut M&Ms dumped on top. Sometimes they sink to the bottom. <laughs> So I roll. But that's the joy. It's the joy. Wow. Wow. Okay. We're basically just searching for sponsors. And we get enough of these, we're going to go back to these companies. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Let's get M&M's. I'm yeah, also M &M. judging people because I'm a, I'm a milk dud person. Yeah, you're yeah. yeah. If you say milk dud, you get extra points. Amazing. Yeah, maybe you guys can get sponsored by um, milk duds and <laughs> corns. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and enema purveyors. Um, so, Jared... Uh, the best advice you've been given or that you would wish to give someone else about anything? Oh, man. You guys have such what? incredibly tough questions. Advi I wouldn't <laughs> have any good advice for anyone. How about that? Or for a filmmaker. A young filmmaker. Oh, for a filmmaker. You. Okay, there you go. go there. Advice for a filmmaker. Don't wait for permission from anyone to go make a film. It's like you've got a phone. Go make something. Like, write something that you could shoot tomorrow. You know what I mean? Within the resources you have starting out, it's like, that's what everybody should be doing. Telling personal stories, stuff that, that they can bring to life and don't need permission from anyone to do. Cause if you write something super, super big, I mean, I went to film school with people that wrote these giant, they're like, yeah, man, I'm going to need 
Bruce Willis, a hundred mil and you know, or, or whatever. And it's like, dude, you're, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. He <laughs> sounded a little like Napoleon right there. <laughs> <laughs> Go to your hometown and make rad. Go make an ass lighting movie. Yes. <laughs> that's what you should be doing. Ass lighting. That bit of the advice yeah. is the keeper because yeah, no one else is going to go and say that. Go and make an ass lighting movie. Jared Hess, it's yeah. been quite beautiful to talk to you. And I hope you will send our love to jason momoa and also uh, oh. give taika some shit because we have asked taika boy yeah. to be on our podcast <laughs> it just blows us out every time <laughs> which is not why you got the gig obviously we asked you first yeah yeah but it has been a delight we were searching we were searching google um new zealand and you're one of the names <laughs> that came up that taika you yeah that is hilarious but are you having fun with this it's so much fun oh my gosh it's gonna be a big silly fun movie i'm excited it's big i know Wow. That's funny. You'll keep the wonder from your time on the trampoline. That's right. This movie. Just yes. trying to hold on to it. <laughs> Share it with us. Try not to get yes. too serious, man. When we get too serious, it, things get sad. Try to keep it silly. That's your advice right there. <laughs> that is. Yeah. It really or it gets too sad. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, Jared Hess, thank yes. you so much. We have been talking about Rad, the 1986 film from Hal Needham. And you can find it very easily because clearly it has become a cult classic. Jared, thank you for giving us the yeah. gift of <laughs> Thank you. This is so fun, guys. <laughs> if you'd like to share the film that blew your mind, send us an email to stories at thefilmthatblewmymind.com. The Film That Blew My Mind is hosted by me, John Cooper. And me, Tabitha Jackson. Our executive producer is Jessica Buzzard. The show is produced by Goat Rodeo, and to find more of their work, go to GoatRodeoDC.com. Executive producers at Goat Rodeo are Megan Nadalski and Ian Enright. Creative producers are Max Johnston, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Rebecca Seidel, and Jay Venables. Mixing and engineering by Rebecca Seidel. Intro music from Wayne Jones. Marketing and publicity by Stephen Raphael at Required Viewing. Graphics by Lee Fenvis. Special thanks to Trevor Groth, Kirsten Chalker, John Nine, and especially Christine Buzzard. Also to all our friends and family who put up with us and our crazy projects. Aww. If you like this episode, why don't you subscribe to stay up to date on new ones? And maybe leave us a rating and a review. Oh, and if you have any left, tell your friends. 